Amen. Let me invite you to take a seat for a moment. Uh, My name is Andrew. I serve as a pastor here with the Hallows Church. I want to welcome you to our vision gathering this evening. Just wanted to carve out some time on our schedules to come together and to prayerfully explore uh, all that God has done up to this point in the life of our young church plant here in Seattle, and and as well as to anticipate and to prepare ourselves for all that God intends to do uh, through our young church plant as we step deeper into 2016. So thank you guys for carving out some time and, and spending this, these moments with us. Uh, we are kind of sitting in a significant moment in the life of our church as this month represents our, our four-year anniversary. Uh, the Hallows Church kind of marks her birthday starting in, I guess, on February 12th of 2012. That's when we as a community of faith kind of laid the two rails that we wanted to run into the future on. Those two rails being one, our missional communities, which we started as just a, a couple of missional communities littered in the area uh, back in about October 2011 or so. And those missional communities began to grow, began to find some traction. And then eventually in February of 2012, we started pulling those missional communities together on a weekly basis uh, so that we might worship Jesus together as a family of faith. And so we've been running on those two rails now for four years. So tonight is, is our birthday. And so to celebrate that, uh, we've got some cake in the lounge area where the kids are gathered, hanging out over these next few moments. And immediately following our time in this space, let me invite you to stick around, grab a slice of cake, fellowship with one another, hang out, just enjoy uh, Enjoy your fellowship with each other in Jesus over a, over a nice piece of cake that our friend John grabbed for us and set up for us today. So we're excited about that. Um, we do have, as a community of faith here in Seattle, a lot to be grateful for. Uh, we've seen Jesus moving in our midst in a variety of ways over these past four years. Uh, now, to be sure, those four years have not come without struggle. They've not come without challenges. They've not come without some difficulties at points, but God's grace has sustained us and satisfied us every step of the way so that now we're, we're here. God is forging our presence in the, in the city of Seattle. He's sustaining us, and we are, we are settling into a nice rhythm of, of faith and fellowship, worship, and service together. And we'll talk a little bit about um, some of those developments here in the next few moments. So basically, my intention and purpose tonight is is just to kind of take a few moments to remind ourselves of who we are as a community of faith, to put back before us our vision, our mission, and our goal, to share with you some of the provisions that God has made in in recent weeks and in recent months to, to, I believe, set us up to see him do some remarkable things in 2016. And and also to kind of relay some things that have been coming out of the conversations and the prayers of the elders as the elders took some time over this past weekend to retreat together and to pray together and to plan together. And as I iterated on Sunday, although we did plan and we did prepare and we did dream over the course of those two days, I assure you that we're not a group of, of pastors, we're not a group of elders who in any way, shape, or form are putting our faith or our trust in our plans or our strategies or our dreams. We understand that the sufficiency for the advancement of God's kingdom is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to give ourselves as a community of faith to magnifying and multiplying the gospel through this city to the ends of the earth. We believe we have one life to live in the world that is, and we want to make that life count for eternity. 
And the most effective way you and I can do that together is by anchoring ourselves in the gospel. By recognizing not only does the gospel bring us into the enjoyment of God, but the gospel releases us into the city of Seattle to live lives of purpose for God as we seek to see other people affected and transformed by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You see, I believe a movement is what happens when the truth of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit collide in the context of community. When the truth of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit collide in the context of community, movement occurs. Things happen. The kingdom of God comes. His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want to be a community of faith that is well anchored in the gospel. So if the Hallows Church's reputation in this city is anything, I want it to be a reputation of people who are anchored in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be anchored there, and at the same time, we realize that as we give ourselves to the gospel, anchoring ourselves deep in what the gospel is and how the gospel affects us, in so doing, we will find ourselves animated by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to find the Holy Spirit's power in your life, in your missional community, in this church, the Holy Spirit's power will come to the degree in which you find yourself anchored to what he's most passionate about. And the Holy Spirit is most passionate about the gospel of Jesus. And so we're giving ourselves to being anchored in the gospel, animated by the Holy Spirit. And when we do that together, when we do that together, movement will happen. You and I will find ourselves growing deeper in our relationship with God. And you and I will find ourselves with a privileged opportunity of seeing God advance his kingdom through the various things that he's doing here with the Hallows Church. And so that's our goal. That's who we want to be. We want to be a community of faith who is anchored in the gospel and animated by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why, just to remind you, by way of our vision and our mission and our goal, there's one sentence that we kind of hang our hats on as a, as a church. And it's one sentence that goes like this, that you and I, we in the Hallows Church exist to magnify and to multiply the gospel through Seattle to the ends of the earth. Like our name suggests, we are a worshiping missional community. We want to make much of the gospel. We want to magnify the gospel in our worship. We want to gather regularly for the purpose of drawing near to God through the gospel. We want to sing songs together that highlight the gospel. We want to study the scriptures in a way that showcase the gospel. We want to approach the Lord's table every week as a way to have the gospel just pressed deeper and deeper and deeper into our faith. We want to magnify the gospel in our worship. And then at the same time, we want to, we want to multiply the gospel through our mission. We want to see lives affected by the beautiful reality of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. We want to love our neighbors as ourselves. We want to exercise Christ-honoring compassion. We want to bless the city of Seattle and beyond. And we know that the deepest blessing a person can receive is the blessing of hearing and the having the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we exist to magnify and to multiply the gospel, but understand the goal in all of this, that Seattle's not necessarily the destination for the Hallows Church. 
Yes, we want to be a community of faith who is in the city for the city. We want to bless Seattle like crazy. We want to make much of the gospel in the city. We want to see the statistics change. We want to see the ratio, the, the ratio between the number of gospel-believing followers of Jesus and those who do not yet know the gospel or believe the gospel. We want to see those percentages change. We want to see the church grow in this city, not just ours, but others. And, but at the same time, we understand that the gospel we have is a global gospel. We have a gospel that intends to affect all the peoples on the planet. Therefore, we want to magnify and multiply the gospel through Seattle to the ends of the earth. We want to see the Lord raise up men and women and release them all over the planet as disciple-making disciples who love Jesus and love the peoples of the world and want to bring the gospel to bear on their lives so that they can come to know the God that we know, so that they can step into vibrant, worshiping, missional communities all over the planet as men and women give their lives to God through the gospel. This is why we champion missions. This is why we take global mission trips, cross-cultural ministry excursions on short-term bases, as well as mid-term dynamics, and of course, long-term. This is why over the month of January, we were able to commission various people to go and to serve Jesus in various places and pockets in the world. We believe that our success as a, as a faith family, as a church, that, that the faithfulness we're trying to lead, live into is a faithfulness that says, yes, we, we want as many people gathering with us as possible to worship Jesus and grow in a relationship with Jesus. But perhaps even more than that, we want to gauge our faithfulness by seeing not just people gathering with us, but people going from us with a perspective and a passion to magnify and to multiply the gospel through this city to the ends of the earth. We want to gauge our faithfulness, not just by our seating capacity, whether it's here or in West Seattle. We want to gauge our faithfulness through our sending capacity as people are moving and disciples are being made and multiplication is taking place. So we are a faith family that exists to magnify and to multiply the gospel through this city to the ends of the earth. That's our vision, that's our mission, that's our goal. But let me remind us for a moment of what our rhythms are as a church. As a community of faith, we want to live and sink into a simple rhythm. We're not a highly programmatic church with a lot of events and activities. We do have some things that are firing in different ministries related to our church. But ultimately, we are not so much a program-oriented church. We, we try to be as simple as possible. And focusing on the a simple process of gathering worshipers, scattering servants for the purpose and the goal of multiplying the gospel. We want to gather worshipers and scatter servants and multiply the gospel, living into that simple rhythm. And so to do that with these gatherings, this, the worship gatherings that we engage in on a weekly basis, and then as we scatter throughout the city in a network of missional communities. Our, our goal in all of this is, is multiplication. We want to see more men and women come to know Jesus. We want to see more men and women anchored in the gospel and animated by the Spirit. We want to see a culture of, of love carried out all throughout the city. A culture of love that says we're going to aspire to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We want to love God completely as a people. 
But understand that as we lay that out there, the only reason we want to love God completely is because you and I recognize the reality that that's precisely how God's loved us. God has loved his people with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. He's loved us completely. And he's changing our hearts so that we're responding as worshipers of him, seeking to love him completely too. But then we also understand that our God is a relational God. That God exists as a holy trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons enjoying one another eternally. And, and then as creation, as, as people who've been created in his image, we've been wired with the capacity to step into that rhythm, to step into the life of the Godhead so that we can enjoy relationship with God, but we enjoy that relationship while we relate to one another. Therefore, we say we want to love God completely, but at the same time, we want to love people compassionately. We want to step into life-giving relationships. We want to step into mercy-driven relationships where we're loving one another and loving our neighbors in ways that, that honor Jesus, ways that reflect the gospel. So we gather worshipers, we scatter servants, all for the purpose of multiplication so that more people can be swept up into the enjoyment of God and to the engagement of a body that's living for an eternal purpose, gripped by an eternal passion. So we're stepping into that rhythm of gathering worshipers, scattering servants, multiplying the gospel. And as we do that, we do that, as I mentioned a moment ago, by running into the future on two primary rails. Those of you who have been a member with the church, a member of this church for a while, or maybe you've been involved in the life of the Hallows Church for a little while now, you know that, that the two main rails we take into the future, one is our weekly worship gatherings, and the other is our missional communities. And we want to run into the future living on those two primary, primary rails. And so let me, in light of that, let me kind of uh, cast some understanding on our identity as a church. If that's our rhythm, gathering and scattering, multiplying, if we are moving into the future on these two rails, it's very important that you and I understand kind of who we are as a church so that we can uh, recognize the place that each and every one of us have in the life of our church as we move into the future together so that you can know that you have a role to play in this body. That you have a purpose to play. You have gifts, skills, and passions to carry out. You have a neighborhood to influence and to affect with the gospel. Therefore, when it comes to our identity and just understanding who we are as a Hallows Church, we are a network of missional communities who gather weekly for worship. We are a network of missional communities who gather together on a weekly basis for the purpose of worship. Now, I say that tonight because it's very important that we understand the significant place our missional communities hold in the life of our body. You perhaps know that many of the people gathered in this space, many of the people who gather with us on Sundays, they come from a wide radius in this city. We got people gathering with us, worshiping with us, serving with us from a variety of neighborhoods in the city of Seattle. And so as we step into 2016, we're wanting to reiterate and refocus and re-energize the significant and strategic role our missional communities play in the life of our church. So that every missional community recognizes that they are 
all on the same plane as it relates to our vision, our mission, and our goal. So we're saying that we are a network of missional communities who gather weekly to worship. And what that means is that we're going to be a network of missional communities that have more of a citywide presence. As the Lord has been building his church over the past four years, he's been pulling people together from a variety of neighborhoods and a variety of places. So although we started four years ago with a heavy concentration on Fremont, a heavy concentration on Ballard, a heavy concentration on Wallingford, over the past four years, we've seen, yes, growth in these neighborhoods so that those are the hottest spots in our church, but we've also seen growth coming from other neighborhoods and other pockets in the city. And so we're wanting to recognize that if this is how Jesus is building his church called the Hallows, then we want to adapt and accommodate to what he's doing. So a couple of years ago, we made a decision as a leadership team to empower and to equip missional communities in whatever neighborhood we have a combination of leadership and people. So that if we have leadership and people in a given neighborhood, we want to greenlight missional communities. We want to equip them to make disciples and kind of own their hood for the sake of the gospel. And so when we made that decision, we began broadening our net where it comes to our, where our missional communities have influence. This is why we have a missional community all the way up in Edmonds. And that missional community has been running for a while now. And, and they are as much a part of who we are as a as a community of faith, as our Fremont missional communities. Again, because we are a network of missional communities who gather together for the purpose of worship. And so we're affirming that identity and we're recognizing that in order to help affirm and to empower wherever we end up launching a missional community in the future, that they're going to be stepping into a wide network, a citywide network of missional communities for the purposes of of what we're, for the same purpose that we're all giving ourselves to within our church. And so this means that our missional communities are really going to receive a lot of attention in 2016 as we seek to equip them, as we seek to establish more of them in various neighborhoods and in various pockets of our city. Now, another reason why our missional communities are such a significant part of who we are as a church is because we believe that as disciples of Jesus, we are to grow in kind of a three-dimensional kind of way. That every disciple of Jesus is expected to grow in three dimensions simultaneously. Every disciple should grow in their relationship with God. They should grow in their apprehension of how much God loves them and as in response to that love and how they're loving God in return. So there's a dimension that's God-focused. But then there's also a dimension that's related to you and I and how we relate to one another in the church. The New Testament puts a hard emphasis on you and I and how we relate to one another. So much so that, that it uses familial language to describe churches all over the New Testament. I love the fact that the gospel enables you and I to step into a relationship, the bond of which runs deeper than blood. The bond of which runs deeper than blood because it is a bond that is bound together in the gospel. And as a result, it's a relationship that will last for all eternity. And so we want to begin fostering our fellowship with one another now. Loving one another in a way that would showcase the gospel we are believing. And showcase the kingdom of God that we've been uh, swept up into. 
And so our missional communities, one dimension, growing in our relationship with God, but at the same time, growing in our relationship with one another so that we can become a vibrant community of love, loving each other as a family of faith. But then there's a third dimension that our missional communities focus on, and that is not only our love for God and our love for one another as a family of faith, but also our love for our neighbors. We recognize that Jesus has called us to fulfill a significant purpose in the world, a purpose that no other community, no other people can fulfill in the world outside of his church. And that is a mission, that is a purpose, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to serve and to bless those who are not yet a part of the kingdom, and by God's grace, lead them into it. And so our missional communities, they they focus on loving God, which is why they study the scriptures on a regular basis, which is why they talk about what God's doing in the heart of each disciple on a regular basis. And then they also focus on the love that we have for one another, which is why we seek to have shared experiences with one another to fellowship with each other regularly and consistently so that life can be shared by everyone involved. But then it also thrusts us outward. It it gives us a focus in our missional communities on our neighbors and the neighborhoods that we're all a part of so that as disciples of Jesus, we're growing simultaneously in our love for God, our love for one another, and our love for our neighbors. And I would challenge you to consider how you are growing as a disciple in this very moment. And if you are only growing in one of those dimensions, you're not really growing at all. Disciples of Jesus grow simultaneously. Love for God, love for the church or the faith family, love for the kingdom, and then love for neighbors, love for those who are not yet a part of this thing. And so our missional communities are designed to kind of showcase that loving culture, relationship with God, relationship with one another, and ultimately, and then leading into relationship with our neighbors. And so this is why, that last piece is why I think, or not I think, this is why I would say that the label we use, we utilize language, we we say our, our small groups, our community groups are called missional communities. Different churches call them different things in different places for different reasons. We've landed on the language of missional community, not so much as a label to be led with when we engage our neighbors, So that you start using strange language when you talk to your neighbor at work. You say, hey, uh, my missional community is getting together tonight. And they're like, what are you talking about? So it's not a label that you are to lead with in your mission to the city as you seek to engage lostness. It's a label for your own self-understanding. It's a label of self-understanding so that each and every one of you realize that that crew that you're running with. That missional community, you guys understand that together you're on mission. Together you're representing King Jesus. Together you're growing in your love for God, your love for one another, your love for your neighbors. You are a missional community together. It's a label for self-understanding, not necessarily for a weird leadership way of trying to invite people in. So you might not want to lead with missional community when you're engaging your neighbors and loving people in the city. Just lead in a normal, ordinary kind of way. Hey, my friends are getting together for a meal. You want to come? Hey, my friends are getting together to serve at this particular spot, to bring this particular, uh, to enhance life in this particular kind of way, and you want to come. And so you start opening up your missional communities to those who are not yet a part of the kingdom. You start opening up your missional communities to those who are not yet following Jesus. 
for the purpose of fulfilling what Jesus says in John 13, 36, where he says, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. The world's going to know that you belong to Jesus by how you love each other. And so the question then becomes, how will the world ever see the way in which we love one another unless we're sharing life together, unless we're serving together, unless we're worshiping together, and unless we're inviting people in to catch it? Letting people see the love that is flowing between the believer. Let people see the love that is being exercised and cultivated within our communities. We have to, there has to be a, an, an inviting culture within our missional communities if we're going to obey Jesus and his counsel of John 13, 35. The number one way I believe Jesus set up his people to engage the world effectively is by creating within them cultures of love. And so you and I then have the opportunity of showcasing that love. So I would challenge you to do two things, just as in your own discipleship, in your own sphere of influence as we step into 2016. One, that you would invest in those around you who do not yet know Jesus. Spend time with them, invest in them, get to know them, love them, serve them, but don't just invest in them, invite them into your world. Invite them into the things that you're doing with your missional community. Invite them into the things that we're doing on Sundays when we gather together for worship and we try to platform the gospel so they can overhear it and by God's grace respond to it. We want to showcase the love that we have for one another and we do that by becoming not just those who invest in people who aren't yet a part of the kingdom, but we start extending invitations to those who are not yet a part of the kingdom. So we're moving into 2016, trying to create this culture of investing and inviting, investing and inviting, investing and inviting. Now your invitation may be rejected, it may be denied. I'm reminded of how every time I walk into PCC, I go in and I'll get whatever I'm getting. But every time I leave, there there are people who are um, wanting my time, they're wanting my attention. They have some kind of petition, some kind of cause that they're championing in that moment. And so they invite me into a conversation and every time I say no, every time I reject, every time I, I dismiss it and I move on. But they never give up. They're always there. I never see people talking to these, these folks, but they're always there. They're giving themselves to this particular cause. How much more devoted and how much more persistent should we be in the cause of our king? We should be able to endure rejection. We should be able to endure no's. We should be able to endure delayed positive responses. And so we want to create a loving culture where we are investing in those who are not yet a part of the kingdom. And we're inviting them in to experience the life of the kingdom in our various communities and then in our big community as a family of faith. And so our missional communities are designed to do those things so that we can grow in our three-dimensional kind of way. Now, that's our missional communities, but then, of course, we have our worship gatherings. Right now on a Sunday, just by way of reminder, we host two worship gatherings. We have A worship gathering that started here four years ago. It started originally, I believe, at 6.30 or 6 o'clock. It was late. And then we started having kids. And then it started getting more challenging to have such a late gathering. So we started slowly bumping the time up so that now we're typically starting around 5.07. Though we advertise 5 o'clock here in Fremont. And and, uh, so one announcement I'll just throw out there on behalf of the elders is that we are 
considering another time change, we're going to change the start of our gatherings to 5 p.m. on Sundays. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start working a little harder to get started on time with respect to you and respect to everyone who's, who sees 5 o'clock and they show up and they're expecting us to gather then. So uh, we are going to change our gathering time to 5 p.m. Uh, starting, well, I guess effective immediately. So uh, <laughs> we'll start doing that. Um, and hopefully doing that without rupturing kind of the, the laid back, you know, love that we have as we step into these types of moments together. Uh, but then also we have our gathering in West Seattle. That was one that started on a weekly basis this past Easter. West Seattle is a development some of you know about where uh, a couple of years ago now, maybe closer to three, uh, we were approached by a group in West Seattle who were trying to figure out what to do with some property that they were sitting on. They were looking for some consultation. They had been without leadership for a couple of years, and it was kind of a, a funky situation, quite dysfunctional in some ways, but they started reaching out for conversations and reaching out for consultation, so we stepped into those into t- into talks with them. We started serving them in some ways, helping disciple them through some of the stuff that they were going through. And then eventually they started voicing a desire. Hey, would you guys be interested in starting a a church in this area? And so I stepped back and I went to the leaders. I brought it to covenant members and we just began praying and talking about, is this something that we should do? It wasn't really in the blueprint when we started the Hallows Church. We weren't expecting or really intending to start a couple of gatherings in a couple of different places. But We took some time to discern, is this something Jesus is up to? And if he is, then let's adapt and let's figure it out. In the end, we decided it was. And so we moved into West Seattle to start an expression of the Hallows Church there. And we continued to pray. We continued to work. We continued to do various things. And then uh, come uh, Easter of this past year, of 2015, we started hosting weekly gatherings there. And things are, the ball is rolling there as we're seeking to establish a very similar rhythm to what we're doing here so that we become one faith family who has, who's networked together through various missional communities all over the city. And then we just have a couple of gatherings, one in West Seattle at 10.30 on Sunday mornings, one here uh, at 5 p.m. on Sunday evenings. And so that was an interesting development, and that development is still underway. Now, in light of those two rails, in light of our missional communities and our worship gatherings... I just want to share with you a couple of evidences of grace and celebrate with you some of the provisions God has made for our church in recent months, I believe, to set us up to seeing him do some remarkable things in 2016. Over the past year or so, we've been, uh, the elders and others have been talking about, okay, what, what are our church's biggest needs as it relates to leadership? And so we've been flirting, er, not flirting, we've been uh, floating back and forth between a couple of options, wondering, well, what's more pressing? What's, what's the biggest need that we have? And, and the two ones that kind of surfaced a little most, uh, most explicitly was uh, someone to give full attention and a staff dynamic to our music, to the musical expression of our worship. Someone who could uh, equip and love the, those, the volunteers who've been serving our faith family so well over the past four years, giving somebody to, who can really invest in and equip that crew, help them develop and do things that I am, in, unca- uh, I am too incompetent to do. And so uh, there was that need. But then there was also need, okay, because our missional communities are it's such a big rail in the life of our body. There was a need to have someone give full-time attention, someone who's in a situation in life where they could give a full time, um, a full amount of time to leading and, and equipping and encouraging our missional communities. And as we're, we, we, depending on the day, it was what, what we thought was most more important of the two. And then 
And then Colin, one of our elders, he asked me one day, he said, Andrew, do you think there's one guy who could do both of those? I said, dude, we can't find one to do one. So I'm not, I'm not holding out hope that there's one guy who can do both of those. And then about a week after that conversation, my path crossed, I believe, providentially with Bryant Jones. And Bryant uh, and I started having some conversations. I invited him in to some conversations with the elders. And we started just talking and praying, talking and praying, talking and praying. And eventually, uh, we were um, kind of really astonished and shocked that uh, that's precisely the type of person the Lord has seems have put before us, someone who's passionate about missional communities. He's passionate about making disciples. He's passionate about equipping people to live out their faith. He loves that the world of missional communities. But also an experienced worship pastor, someone who served in churches, doing the music in churches in various places uh, in the country, Texas most notably or most recently. And so he arrived into the city, uh, I don't know, 14 months ago, and was serving Jesus and uh, seeking to make disciples, establish some missional communities kind of in his own world in partnership with another church plant in the area. And then uh, one thing came to another and he found himself in a position to uh, be able to slide in and to serve our faith family, providing leadership to two areas that we, uh, that, that we needed. And so I'm pleased to announce tonight that Bryant Jones is coming on our staff, effective immediately, uh, to give direction, uh, to give leadership and oversight to our music ministry, worship gatherings on a weekly basis, and our missional communities. Now, that does not mean that Bryant will start leading out every Sunday, but it means he's going to be investing in and discipling and equipping, and, and he'll be leading out some, uh, but really working with all the volunteers that we have in that, in that ministry. And so we're super excited about that. And then he's also going to take over that rail of missional communities, and he's going to begin um, dreaming up ways to see those become healthy, vibrant cultures of love, where we're loving God, loving one another, loving our neighbors well. And so very excited to have Bryant join us, um, very excited for him and his wife Michelle, they are uh, expecting their first child in July, so they're just folding right into the culture of the Hallows Church, it's, it's, uh, they're not skipping a beat, they're just jumping right in, and so there's that, there, uh, so we're uh, just excited about your family, about uh, the birth of your first child, and the role you're going to be playing in the life of our body, so I encourage you guys to get to know Bryant, spend some time with him, invite him to dinner, uh, let, him take, let him go to coffee with you, do something to really begin to build that out. I trust that you guys will fall in love with him as we have um, in our conversations with Bryant. Um, so that's one evidence of grace we want to celebrate tonight and just bring you up to speed on. And then the second evidence of grace concerns our West Seattle expression. Another dynamic that we've been praying about over the past, since we started the conversation in West Seattle was, well, we didn't really draw up this uh, outlook. We didn't envision the Hallows Church unfolding in this way. So how is West Seattle going to be accounted for on the, on the leadership level? And we did not want to take away from anything that Jesus was doing here. We did not want to take our eye off the ball of what's happening in this part of the city and where Jesus planted us originally. And then, um, so we've been praying about leadership and getting more leaders involved in West Seattle and giving attention to what's going on over there. And Jeff Hunley, by God's grace, has slid in. He's been serving over there faithfully, and he continues to serve over there, providing leadership, providing direction, providing teaching, providing uh, just serving in a variety of ways. And we're super grateful that Jeff is, is, has been doing so. I don't know if you know this, but Jeff lives in Edmonds. 
uh, which is where he's lived for several years. And so he's, he sacrifices a lot to, sh- to go to West Seattle on a regular basis, to invest in the people there, to be a part of the community that Jesus is building there. And it's been a wonderful thing to see. It's encouraged my faith in tremendous ways. But with that, we've also recognized, well, we need some more leadership in West Seattle who can help supplement and complement and and contribute to the things that Jesus is doing through Jeff's leadership. And so we've been praying about what to do uh, in West Seattle. And then we, uh, many of you know that in 2014, we had a church planter apprentice in our midst named Keith Ferguson. Uh, Keith and his wife, Julie, uh, and their four incredible kids just uh, really sunk into our community. They really uh, participated. Everyone fell in love with them. They fell in love with us, and there was just a lot of continuity and excitement about um, what Jesus was doing in their lives and the way he was bringing our church together in, in that way. And so then, uh, about the beginning of 2015, we commissioned Keith out to begin a work in Beacon Hill, which he started a missional community in Beacon Hill and, and moving towards trying to, uh, the, the planting of a church there. And, but in the process, he was praying about how best to approach it, what, what, what would be most effective for the sake of the kingdom and the making of disciples in Beacon Hill area and then south of Seattle in general. And so we started having conversations again because while that was happening, West Seattle was unfolding. And, and so we were thinking, okay, well, there's Beacon Hill. Jesus is doing something there. West Seattle, they're not too far apart. There, there may be a way to maybe synchronize the leadership and synchronize what Jesus is doing. Maybe that's something Jesus intended to do. So we started having multiple conversations, multiple prayers. And long story short, I can fill you in details in an, at another time, but uh, I am excited to say that Jesus has answered our prayers and he's provided a way for uh, the kingdom of God to be advanced through kind of the DNA of the Hallows Church uh, via uh, a merger that's going to take place between the Ecclesia plant and the Hallows Church West Seattle. And so Keith and Julie Ferguson are going to slide in and and begin leading with Jeff over there. And they're going to start running into the future together, uh, providing leadership and direction and ministry uh, there. And we're going to find ourselves as just one family and with a couple of expressions. And there's going to be some solid leadership in place there. So we're super excited about that development. And then if some of you are hearing that and you may get nervous about, well, how are we handling these additions budget-wise? Maybe you received the budget, as a covenant member, you received the financial ministry and update from 2015, and you may be wondering, well, how is this going to be provided for? Well, uh, Jesus has already taken care of that. Both Keith and Bryant uh, stepped into the city with a missionary's mindset, and they've been developing partnerships to support the work of the gospel through what they're doing. And so they they are stepping into our faith family with a network of partnerships who are contributing to their livelihood, who are contributing to their um, ministries here in Seattle. And so we're able to see Jesus develop these areas of leadership without necessarily taking hits in our relatively slim uh, budget at this point in time. And so we're very grateful for God's provision in that. Jesus is a lot wiser than I am, and he unfolds plans in ways that are far more uh, glorious than the way I, than I could ever dream or imagine. This is why as a, as a faith family, we always say, yes, we write our plans in pencil. Uh, we never write them in pen. Uh, Because Jesus has full editing freedom. He can edit all of our plans, all of our dreams, all of our ambitions. He can erase them. He can change them. He can adjust them according to however he sees fit. And so our role in the equation is to be humble and submissive and adapt to the various things that Jesus is doing. 
So I'm excited to announce that Keith will be stepping over into leadership with the West Seattle crew. And he's a wonderful man who loves Jesus, who wants to make disciples, wants to uh, see the kingdom of God established there. And I look forward to uh, our West Seattle folks getting to know Keith and vice versa, all in, uh, as well as to the missional community and the disciples he's been making in Beacon Hill and seeing how Jesus kind of knits hearts together and enhances the kingdom's presence uh, through these groups, through these individuals, through these disciples and families. So with that said, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be, uh, there's a lot worthy of celebrating. But then one other piece, just kind of on this, the, um, it's already 7.30. I talk too much. All right. So uh, the other development that's coming out of our elders' meetings is, is because we are a network of missional communities who gather together on a weekly basis to worship, um, we recognize that there is, we're going to, we recognize there a need to prioritize our gathering space. And so we are in the moment, uh, we've kickstarted a search process trying to find an alternative gathering space to where we are currently gathering. A space where we can have more flexibility with regards to when we gather on Sunday a place that we can have more flexibility in terms of how we can have other things like this happen during the week that may be a little easier to get to, a little easier to find, a little easier to access. Um, a, a gathering space that can also serve as kind of a, a hub of administration so that our staff and other disciples, our ministry team leaders can kind of converge there and dream there and pray there and, and plan there and do all those various things. And so we are... Uh, Kicks, not really kickstarting, we're ratcheting up the search process for an alternative gathering space to the one that we currently enjoy and the one that we're currently blessed to have because we are in this space uh, at a ridiculously low price, which is super cool for rent and super cool on our budget. Um, and because of that, we've been able to plan and prepare for a potential move, which may happen kind of on an intermediate level before a permanent level, an intermediate level where we are looking uh, maybe something closer to I-5, something a little more accessible to where we are now, Something, something with a little more kids space uh, than what we currently have access to. And um, so it's something that I want to challenge and encourage you guys to pray towards. Because we believe this is one area in the life of our church, particularly as it relates to our Fremont expression, um, where God can really astonish us and bring great glory to himself by providing in a way that we might not be able to see how at this point in time. And so please join us in praying for that for uh, 2016, that when it, comes to, when, it, when it comes time to make decisions, that we will do so with wisdom and faith. When it comes time to make decisions, we as a, as a church will rally behind and, and have unity of vision, unity of heart as we step into an alternative situation for where we gather and when we gather. And again, if we are a network of missional communities littered throughout the city, our gathering space then becomes a little more mobile. It becomes a little more adjustable. And we have looked, we have prioritized Fremont in the search process, and quite honestly, nothing's coming available that can accommodate to who we are even right now as a church, which is why we're broadening the parameters, moving closer to I-5, moving closer, trying to look in that area and in that vicinity for an alternative gathering space. And... Um, that search is well underway. So please join us in praying for that and for God's provision in that direction. Now, with that said, um, there's one other piece. There's a few other things that I want to put before us, but for the sake of time, uh, we'll, we'll have another outlet for it. But one of the goals for 2016, 
We have these two rails, worship gatherings, missional communities. We support these two rails by establishing a network of ministry teams. Many of you are familiar with the various ministry teams that we have, trying to dispense ministry as widely as possible in the body. And so we want everyone plugging into a particular team that corresponds with their spiritual gifts, that corresponds with their talents, their passions, their interests. You can find the... The list of those ministry teams uh, on the, uh, the, the descriptions of those ministry teams in the foyers, I encourage you to check those out if you haven't plugged in to one of those yet. Uh, there is need in our kids' ministry. There is need in our communications ministry. There is need for various uh, needs in the life of our body, and I encourage you to check out those ministry teams and prayerfully consider where you can plug in at because um, as healthy as those teams are, that will enhance the health of our two rails, our worship gatherings, and our missional communities. And then one other piece that's going to circle this and give a, help make both of those reels all the more healthy is over the course of 2016, we're going to be rolling out a new culture and of disciple making. We're going to take our seven core values, gospel clarity, biblical fidelity, humble community, etc. And we're going to take each one of those core values and we're going to develop some curriculum that is both educational and experiential. Believing that if we take all seven of our core values, it gives us a unique opportunity to, to disciple people with a basic foundation of the Christian life, running the gamut from what is the gospel, how do I talk about the gospel, to... Um, Whatever, global mentality, missions. How do we go with the gospel to the ends of the earth? And so we're going to run the gamut, and each one of our, these core values is going to frame um, a training that we're going to provide that is both educational and experiential. And the idea is that everyone goes through this material, and it will give everyone a baseline in the church for what it means to be a disciple, how to grow as a disciple, and it'll give us all a ba common baseline for as we go into the future, we're doing so with a very... Uh, with, Coming at, coming at following Jesus from a very similar uh, approach and a similar perspective. And so we're going to be rolling out that material over the course of this year. It'll be developed one by one. And as each piece of that is developed, we'll be rolling it out, offering up these sessions. That'll probably be about a full-week session, a full-week experience or immersion of, of study and experience that um, will equip us in various areas of the Christian life. Now, with that said, um, there's more on that. More will come out of that in the future. Let me uh, point out some events just to go ahead and mark down on your calendar, some things that we have coming up this year, because um, some other priorities that have come out of our elders' meetings, one of which is we do want to deepen our relationship with one another. As the church grows, we recognize that relationships can sometimes be disjointed. We haven't had much opportunity to get to know each other. And so one of the remedies to that is that every quarter, uh, starting this year, uh, we're going to host uh, a dinner party. And the dinner party is going to look very similar to what our church at work gatherings was back in October, where we have an abbreviated gathering in this space from 5 to 6. Then immediately following that, we're going to go downstairs and share a meal together, have a dinner party with one another so that we can spend that time getting to know each other, fellowshipping over a meal with one another. Uh, so you can expect that to happen once a quarter, um, starting on March 13th. And then there's also a church-wide retreat coming up on May, the weekend of May 13th. Uh, this will be the first retreat we're uh, throwing out for everyone. Uh, we want as many people to participate and set aside that weekend as possible to join us at Camp Casey, uh, where we're going to be worshiping together, hanging out together, just making memories together, deepening our relationship with one another. 
Then with that, we also have some short-term mission trips that you're going to get more information on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, One is going to be a Central Asia experience, and the other is going to be a Japan um, experience with some of the partners we have in both of those places. Um, And Jen Simpson will be providing more information on those in the very near future. She already has applications and informational handouts on the table in the foyer. If you're interested in participating in one of those, grab one of those on your way out. And with that said, uh, as I run through that, realizing the time, let me now invite our friend Jeff. Uh, Jeff is one of our elders. He's been serving faithfully in our faith family, providing leadership to West Seattle. I've invited him to come and to, and to voice a prayer on our behalf in light of all the things that, that is taking place, our vision, our mission, our goal, all those things. So come on down, Jeff. And if you would be so kind to join him in this moment of prayer um, as we pray together towards all that God intends to do in 2016. And then he's, when he's done, we'll sing one final uh, verse of a song together and then let them eat cake, right? We'll do that. It might not be the best quote for that. But anyways, uh, so Jeff, if you don't mind. <laughs> 